Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, sales is a game of probability. Games of probability, right? When we're playing a game of probability, we're winning when we can win more than we lose and we can win bigger and lose smaller over time. And I know you're a closet game theorist, so I cannot wait to talk to you about this concept What's critical for me today is that it's one thing to say sales is a game of probability and kind of live in that mindset that says it's not about perfection. But after I get past that mindset and I'm ready to rock, I have to be prepared to measure. Otherwise, I cannot know if I'm actually improving my odds of winning. So let's talk about that today. Measurement. Measurement makes it real. And and I think for a lot of people that aren't honest about their process, they're measuring something, but they may not be aware of what they're actually measuring, and they may not be measuring what matters most. So Here's a perfect example of that, social media, right? Um, I remember going into business for myself years ago and thinking, I got to have this website. I got to have all the social media stuff dialed in. And thankfully, thankfully, uh, you know, it's what we talked about in the mindset piece. If, if you're looking at your results, you're not like a stubborn rocket shot out into space with no ability to change the formula of where the rocket's going, we can we can go out and we can see the results and go, okay, I'm not getting the results that I want. I'm not seeing this happen like I want to. And and you realize, whoa, a website, that's really a vanity project. Social media can really be vanity metrics if they're not a part of what you're measuring. And so what we end up doing is we play these stupid games, short-term games, and who freaking cares, <laughs> right? It doesn't really matter unless you're saying my goal is to approach these vanity right. metrics with that's right. What I'm and, and we're and we're we can't be in that business. Um, we can't be, especially in sales, if we're achieving growth or driving for growth. We can't be lazy. We can't we can't execute 90% and let the ten, the last 10% kind of flow or just hope that it works out. We want to win more than we lose. We want to win bigger, lose smaller over time. Are we doing what it takes to get better? The only way we know is if we're measuring the stuff that matters. 
And in sales, it's it's really interesting because every business has their own metrics they follow to know how the business is doing. And then all the elements of the business, departments of the business, or units of the business have their own metrics. And there are a lot of leaders who can just rattle off the 15 or 20 metrics they look at to make sure, for example, sales is doing well. But that's just 80 or 90% of the job. The last the last mile, the last 20 or 10% is what matters most. Do you understand how those metrics contribute to the objectives that you have? And are you measuring metrics that are leading indicators or lagging indicators? In other words, revenue is a lagging indicator. Number of qualified leads is a leading indicator. Uh, we we uh, have to have a better sense of what leading indicators are going to, uh, when we tweak them, when we pull that lever, are going to improve um, and get rid of the friction and just increase the flow of deals um, and which ones aren't so that we can we can take our busy day, uh, chunk it up and narrow our focus on just those things that matter most. Otherwise, we're just flailing and we're not running our business. The business is running us. Yo, dude, we're synced up because I was picturing leading lagging indicator in my head, and then it turned into a visual that fits perfectly with this idea of the business driving us. And and I know this visual is talked about a ton, but for me, it's it's like escaping the matrix because you've got business magazines and you've got LinkedIn posts and updates, and you've got all of these things. And, and you could picture it like all of this swirling narrative around your mind and all these storylines and all these shoulds. And and it's constantly shaping your perception. It's distracting you. And uh, now I can step into that swirl to, to figure out like what's happening at a high level and what language is doing right now and where people are going and what do they care about. So I can I can almost like... I can go up, up to the bank of the pond and take a little thing and do a little sample to right. measure the water, right? But 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 then I can step away at, and then figure out like, okay, I can learn from all that, but I can't be driven by all that. I've got to be focused on what are those key things that I'm doing, the leading indicators that actually make a result happen. Uh, and I know I've seen this in my field a ton where people hang out online all the time in coaching and they try to create content like crazy and they're not seeing the ability to triple and quadruple their rates. They're not seeing the ability to really multiply out into what they're doing and and all because what? It's this lack yeah, of indicator. So I- Go ahead, man. So well, I was going to ask you a question, brother. <laughs> you, you go ahead, I want and then you, I'll ask mine. I'll I want write you it down. I'll remember. Because you know, the, the question really is then, and we can talk about stories, right? Because we've got clients that that think they're measuring, but take no action. Uh, we've got clients that think they're measuring and act like mad. But let's let's start with, you know, why... Why is it so hard to complete that last mile, that last 10 or 20% uh, of, of effectiveness in this realm? What, what blocks leaders, what blocks companies from being effective here? 
Well, ultimately, at the deepest level, goes back to the mindset stuff. They're attached to what they care about versus what's effective. Um, and if you really want to like break their brains over it, what they care about usually, even if it has a little bit of an impact on the business, it's not at a at a level that you would say, you know, this whole eighty twenty thing, right? Like eighty twenty up your day, twenty percent of your day delivers eighty percent of the results, but that's fractal. There's been some authors out there to really push this idea, Perry Marshall, some others. So take that 20% that you're most effective in and you can 80-20 that again. Right. And and if you'll do that, you will get to the place that you see this delivers the greatest result and and or these things deliver the greatest result. But in my life and the people that I've seen with businesses, and I know you've seen the same because we've talked about it, we're attached to the reality that we want, not right. the reality that Right. Is. And so that's really important to me. Uh, if I'm going to walk into a biz and help someone uh, identify a challenge and remove that challenge or remove a barrier or shine a light on a shadow that uh, is hidden, right? That's mm-hmm. hiding some facts. Uh, so you're saying that we as leaders, as practitioners, we focus on the stuff that we like to focus on, not the stuff that's important in the context of the goal that we're thinking about. And that, to me, comes down to a level of awareness on one hand. But I really also, I, I experience people ignoring stuff that they're just not good at or they have no idea how to fix. Like, I'm not going to measure it if I can't fix it. Like, I hate, I hate, like somebody yeah. might hate recruiting and be and just feel like they're really shitty at it. So if I if I expose my current employee or my salesperson as someone who's not performing, I have to now go recruit. What if I just sit here and hope <laughs> or spend money on tools yeah. and and services and so forth and hope they get better instead of facing you know, instead of measuring the things that will put me in a position to do something I just hate to do. Or don't know how to do. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I think the difference between it might be something I'm growing into. I don't know how to do. I hate to do. I need to build the team. I need to find somebody who can help with that. You know, long term, even medium term, aren't going to work for you grinning and bearing it through something you don't really enjoy doing. Short term, there you can pay that price. But you've got to have a vision to get out of that pretty quick, however that's going to happen. Um, and so so I think the two ditches I see over and over, and so much of our passion and interests and, and what we talk about overlap with both of these. The one ditch is somebody's trying to do something and they're in the wrong spot, right? Which is why they need to get awareness on that. The other ditch is they don't really know what's going on. Thus, pipeline, right. right? Which your stuff on guiding through that is, you know, I, I've seen so much content on that. And the way that you walk people through that, it demystifies uh, what are the components of the pipeline? How do you build it? How do you pay attention to it? And I honestly do believe this. I believe we have culturally so much BS that keeps people trapped in ditch one that they think they should be able to be good at things they're just not going to be good at. So we got the role, fit, and function. And then number two, I think there's too much mystique around 
pipeline. And there are people that either have it as a tool they crush others with, churn and burn, baby. You know, we're talking at a high level in stereotypical terms, or it's so confusing to them, they just don't develop it. If you can get in the right spot, get a pipeline developed that's true to who you are, that becomes a tool that serves you, you don't serve it, it's a beautiful gift, right? Because you can look at this and go, this is what's coming up. This is where I need to focus. This is what I'm nurturing, which is really yeah, we're yeah. talking and, about today. And, you know, one of the things that we believe strongly is that a top performer or somebody who aspires to be a top performer, and to us, those are your A and B players, uh, they welcome accountability. They welcome the measurement because it will tell them exactly how they can get better. You know, I remember seeing uh, Tom Brady's video, right, where he's with his quarterback coach. And there's like three guys there coaching him. And one dude is just there to help him make sure he's got the angle of his throwing arm properly set up. His elbows in the right spot so he get max, max power and uh, accuracy out of every throw, right? Mm. So there's these degrees of specialization that he's investing in. That's the mindset of a champion. That's the mindset of somebody who wants to be there. So, and that's the mindset of somebody who's who's going to welcome the awareness that says, "Shit, you don't know how to do that." Well, he's because he's going to respond by saying, "Well, show me how. Let's find out how to do it." So, the measurement is the path to success. Folks who ignore or bristle at numbers at metrics, uh, you have to ask yourself why. Why is that? Yeah assholes define themselves by the metrics right and then and they're insecure and and then the insecure that are hiding or diminished run from the metrics but the sweet spot is i'm not defined by the numbers so i don't have to be an asshole from it <laughs> and and be on my chest and look at me which we've talked about that a number of times i know but nor do i have to hide from it i can stare right. it in the face the most powerful reinventions I've had in my life and in my business and businesses uh, and, and, and career reinventions have been when I stare the results in the face right. and the right. meaning I'm getting right. from those results. Right. Step up. So how, how do you – I'm curious to ask this. This was going to ask earlier. The people that want to grow um, – we can, you know, in our in our respective domains, we can help them move to the pro level or to the master level, right? Uh, but how do you work with somebody? Somebody brings you in, and 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 they are clearly wanting to be Tom Brady at master level, but the receiver <laughs> right. doesn't, right? <laughs> and and how do you break people out of that spell that they're in? And, and probably in one of those ditches, they're in the wrong spot, you know, they are defining themselves by the numbers or hiding from it. What do you do to help them see reality? Is it, is it a hopeless case? Well, is it possible? that's, that's an awesome question. Uh, multiple dimensions, right? So the first thing is we work with companies. We like to say that we work with companies that want to double or triple their revenue in one to five years. Why do we say that? Because you have to want to be a champion, right? You have to have a goal that's going to push you beyond where you are today, period. 
So when we walk into a biz, you know, the, the worst businesses to walk into are the ones where the CEO says, Jimmy, we'd love to hire you, but that's why I have my VP of sales. And he points to his VP of sales and says, she's the one that's going to do it. I'm like, okay, great. So are you supporting her with development and training? No, that's why I hired her. Why should she have to learn on my dime? She should have brought that knowledge with her. You know, so you've got a dysfunctional situation where um, that CEO is not aspiring to greatness or greatness beyond the level that he is enjoying today. And he's not expecting his team to do that either. We want to work with organizations that have big goals, that want to achieve amazing things, step outside of the potential that they've been able to experience so far. What that does is it creates the energy for the hard decisions to follow. What we say is that you either have, you have one of two type of employee in your organization. Sometimes you have two, you have one of each, but you want the one. You either have shadow people, right? People who live in the shadows or you don't, right? So the, the shadow people, the folks that like to live in the shadows are the folks that want to hide from the metrics and the measurement. They're the people who love being mediocre. They're the people who want to just go along to get along. They're not people in most cases who are going to drive growth and help you hit your goals. So we have to identify those folks and understand why they are the way they are. If they would, if they would improve, if they were in a different role, give them a chance to improve. If they can improve and they can't step in lockstep with us toward our vision, then we help them find another position somewhere else. And then we cultivate and invest in the mm -hmm. folks who aren't shadow people, who love the light, right? Who want to step into the light to understand exactly how well they're doing and what they can do to improve. And then, of course, we have to support that desire. But the first thing we need is that desire from the CEO and the people that run that business to want something more than they have because they're going to recognize and have the energy behind them uh, to, to make the investment and go through the hard effort, right? The difficulty, the self-reflection, the learning, the um, investing in and making mistakes and the failures required to get to that next level. That's awesome. I think that's why so, you know, for both of us, I know we've resonated so much around this idea of you're really wasting your time unless you're connecting with the decision maker, because it's that person who's setting the vision who, that we can help, you know, him or her accomplish what they have in their heart and mind. And then they're going to be willing to make the courageous decisions to align the players around that. And then hopefully the players want to do that too. Now, for those that are listening and they're like, okay, this is high level, but we're talking about the skills in the street, uh, the, the pipeline. That's the thing for me that I think is fascinating when I look at what you have for the player analysis matrix and the way that you help people see their pipeline velocity. I think that's a place we would lose a lot of people because it's street level, but, but tantalize us for a minute or two right. on that, uh, <laughs> on how key that is because I think people yeah, need to get so, a vision for that. Uh, today I was on the phone with a client um, and brand new client, and we're going through the process of weeding out the A's and B's, the people we're going to keep from the C's and D's, the people who are heading in the wrong direction or are just not going to make it. And we had a call today with uh, somebody who 
uh, had been with the organization for about six months, halfway through their one-year uh, goal. Their goal for the year was, uh, was um, for their first year in the job, was about a half million in revenue in this business. That's a modest number in this business. What's really interesting is um, they hadn't, and they hadn't closed any deals six months in. Is it a big deal or not? Is it is it a problem or not? Well, let's look at the numbers, right? And it turns out that he wasn't using CRM, wasn't reporting, wasn't being measured. Nobody was paying attention. He has had, in the last six months, four conversations with people that potentially had a project. None of them were qualified. And so mm-hmm. the I asked him, I said, look, man, you got a mortgage, right? Let's say that you wouldn't get a, got a job with somebody and you said, hey, man, I got a mortgage. Am I going to earn enough here to, to pay that mortgage? He said, yeah. Uh, and he said, okay, great. When am I going to get paid? I'm not really sure. And that's what employees do to their bosses. The boss is trying to build a business, make payroll, pay their vendors on time. And when the sales force cannot tell them when revenue is going to come in and at what pace and how much and how profitable it's going to be, who the hell could run a business in that environment? And who the hell has the right to expect that employer to pay them? on time when they can't give them visibility into what their cash flow is going to be like from quarter to quarter. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear your passion on that. And I've also heard your passion on the other side that is like, and if you keep that person in that spot underperforming, they're going to resent you at some point in life because you have them in the wrong right. spot. I was on a chat with a guy yesterday who hasn't, he's been tasked to bring in and close new contracts, but yet his wiring and brain is set up more for risk assessment. He's got a genius galaxy brain from just listening to him. I could tell he's at a very high level of being able to do threat and risk assessment and and business planning from a continuity standpoint. And yet here he is having to bring in right. new deals. Right. Like that's right. a terrible fit for him. Right. He's somebody, miserable. He yeah, somebody said, so, somebody said, you ahead. know, would you like to do this? And they're thinking, well, I'm smart enough. Yes. I want to keep my job. I don't want to disappoint my boss. Okay. I'll give it a shot. Yes, I will. But it's the the boss asked the wrong person the right question. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And that's that thing, you know, everybody can be an A player somewhere at the nature level. Now, nurture level, they've got to work on their ability to show up with a good attitude. Right. C and D. So uh, moves to A and B, right spot, right place. that's yeah. kicking off another well, number no, of questions. So let's just on the A and B really quick, and then we'll move back to your original question around pipe. So the way we look at the we look way we look at a workforce is A, B, C, D, right? So and we will identify predictive metrics. This is not gut assessment. This is predictive data that says I have an A player who is going to um, more often than not perform at the highest level. The B player is somebody who is not an A, but they're heading in the right direction. They want to be an A. The C Mm -hmm. player is a B player heading in the wrong direction, right? Mediocre, not not that great yet, but they're not curious. They're not asking questions. They're not doing what it takes to advance. The D player is somebody who is just happy wallowing in the mud, and they will stay there for as long as you allow them to. They are the ultimate shadow person. And it's shame on you for allowing those folks to exist. 
And again, most in most organizations, they're there because the hiring manager has no earthly idea what to do if they get rid of them. So they just hope they figure yeah, it out yeah. or they hope they get lucky. Yeah. Interesting. And, and it, no, doesn't it, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. happen in time you, either. You know, <laughs> you're going to be, yes. you're going to get yeah, your ass you fired <laughs> before that person figures it out. Here's a question I'm asked at a leadership level. I'm curious to see what your time frame would be in, in a sales application specifically. Um, Okay, so you work on improving your organization. You have a, a, a room full of A and B players. How long before the growth, you know, that advancement of those people allows that new C tier to show up, right? Because over time, hmm. you know, today's A it, is it just tomorrow's takes no C, time, man. It right? takes no time if you do this appropriately. Right. So the, go ahead, man. That, no, no, no. I just say that's what I've seen too. I mean, like as soon as the A and B vision is in place and rocking and rolling yeah. that it fast, takes you know no what time. C is. When it's we hire folks, we, we validate them in four to six weeks. We know if we want to keep them in four to six weeks. Yes, of course, we're going to guarantee anybody that we place for 90 days replacement, but we can, we can save our clients the, essentially the cost of the recruiting fee by self-validating these people and getting them out if we've if we've hired the wrong person, they're replacing them with the right person. So it it does it takes no time. As soon as a shadow person is exposed, right, they shrink. They either shrink to find more shadows or they expand to address the challenge and take on the challenge you provided. It happens nearly instantaneously. Pipeline is the light <laughs> and it shines yes. bright across yes. everything. Well, uh, Chris, let's jump in. Let me ask, let me answer your question about those metrics with regard to the player forecast mate or the player anal analysis matrix. So uh, the PAM, I'm going to take a step back. Everybody listening right now, if you've been in sales for any length of time, you've heard about velocity in a pipeline. We call it pipeline flow. Uh, pipeline flow is based on four key metrics, number of qualified opportunities, average deal value, average win rate, and then average buying cycle. So length of time. Now, most of you can uh, recite that, but do you know what the hell to do with it? Do you make it an operational uh, KPI inside your business? And I, and I use the phrase KPI or key performance indicator, because there's a difference between a metric and a key performance indicator. A metric is one of the four uh, metrics that I just gave you, qualified opportunity, deal value, win rate, buy cycle time. Those are metrics. A KPI is a calculation that gives you insight like pipeline flow. The power of this KPI is such that if you track it, you will normalize your pipeline and you will segment your ability to drive growth. Um, I call it, I refer to it as eating the elephant, right? In small bits. I refer back to our favorite types of customers, those that want to double or triple revenue in one to five years. 
how the hell do you do that with any kind of systematic or programmatic or predictable methodology? You leverage pipeline flow. You leverage the velocity formula. I know that if I can track these metrics and improve my performance against these metrics, it only takes, if I can improve each one of these metrics by 8% in a year, so I can improve, I can get 8% more qualified opportunities from 200 opportunities to 233 opportunities. And likewise, if I can improve my deal value by 8%, if I can improve my win rate by 8% and I can decrease my buy cycle by 8%, do you know, Chris, I can double revenue in three years. So I can you know, double revenue. Oh my God, go from 20 to 40 million. How the hell do we do that? Well, it's easy. You just divide it, divide a hundred by three, and that's how many. That's how much revenue we need to improve by you know year over year. Uh, well, that's close. But then, how do I improve revenue by that significant amount every year? Right? How do I get a thirty-seven percent improvement in revenue year one? Easy. Improve number of qualified opportunities by eight percent, average deal value by eight percent, and so on. You eat the elephant. You create these small incremental steps. The power of these metrics and this KPI is that it shows you a path that you can execute. It shows you a way into the light, a way to achieve your goals that's manageable, that can be achieved. And you and you'll show them the path, you'll help them build the path. So there's no excuse. You can have <laughs> I the mean, path. Once you this goes back to mindset. Once you see that it's possible and it doesn't require like Tiger Woods type genetics and talent and, you know, 30 years of your life since you were three years old practicing, right? It's not, it doesn't require some unusual or unique capability. It doesn't require some unusual or unique product set, right? If you can sell it, you can, you can double it. You can find the market. And, and we, I, you know, I think that that's such a crossover application in leadership. You know, it's not the person that's, you know, charismatically capturing his kindergarten classroom or her second grade classroom. And, you know, there's always been this shining star. It's it, it's all developable skills. And we've been hitting the high level stuff. So I got a question for you that I've been thinking about as we talk about this, because your uh, expertise experience on deal flow. I read a quote. Somebody was quoting today that all deals die twice, right? right? Uh, I get what they're trying to encourage there, but I'd love to hear your your take on that. Maybe as yeah. we uh, see the the wrap. Yeah, up I of think I mean all deals die twice. To me, I I um, don't subscribe to that, and I wouldn't say that to somebody. But what it, what it's saying to me is that in that industry, uh, it's it's likely that. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's a long deal deal cycle or a short deal cycle, but the idea is you're going to get resistance at some point, and it may feel like it's worth giving up, but it's not. Push through the resistance from the buyer, so you're going to get buyer resistance. You might feels like might feel like it's going to die. Push through it. Um, ask the question. Face the uh, challenge head on with some great questions. Enough, you know, good and tough questions, and you'll get there. And so I think it's setting an expectation yeah. that, look, it's not going to be a piece of cake, but um, when you hit that resistance, be prepared and you'll, you'll be fine. It encourages resilience 
but it justifies <laughs> a lazy upgrading right. of process. Right. right. Boom. That's what you just unlocked for my head. Thank you. That was awesome. It's all skills. You can build it. And if you'll put it into the pipeline, there's power there. You get to actually start determining what happens because going back to game theory, it's a game of probability. I love how you say that. And that's what makes the game fun. If it were if it were a game where we knew the results, that wouldn't be boring, any fun. And it wouldn't be worth it because it wouldn't yeah. be worth it because being great at it, um, it wouldn't pay as well. Yeah. I need to mess up with my family soon just to like, because I've been knocking it out of the park with them. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> great topic today, man. So much fun. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.